Pastor Bob and Pastor David and Celeste and Danny, good to have you guys with us. I tell you, Celeste can sing a little bit, can't she? And, uh, and David, you do pretty good too, but uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, give him a hand. Don't you? And Danny, you were drumming like crazy back there. That was great. Miss them and love them and, and appreciate, appreciate them all. I love that song, Oceans. It says, uh, your grace abounds in deepest waters. <laughs> Just ponder that thought a little bit, that God's grace is at its greatest when we need it the most. And, and then the other phrase that always gets me with that song is we, we sing, Take me where my trust is without borders. And we've sang that, but I'm not sure if we really want to live that. All right? That's a, that's a tough place to be. I'm going to pick this pen up or it'll bother me. Sorry. Well, you know, we've been in the pressure cooker series. And, and uh, Terry's dad broke his leg and hip and had to have hip replacement. And, and then uh, while he was in the hospital, her mom had a car wreck and just a lot of different stress going on at the time. And I think she was kidding, but Terry blamed this series for all the stress in her life. I hope she was kidding, but just in case, the next series that I'm going to preach is called Everyone Wins the Lottery and Inherits a Beach Home, okay? Would that be better? Uh, That's kind of what we're looking for. It seems like there's been more stress, and I don't think it's the sermon's fault, but I think that God maybe has been preparing us for the the stress that we're going to be dealing with. I think of... um, you know, with Terry's dad, that was important and bad, and her mom's accident was minor, thankfully, but uh, I think of Rodney and Nancy and Mrs. J and all they're going through, and I got to tell you, folks, uh, I'm, I'm praying for them, and, and I know what a struggle that is and uh, for her to be in the hospital, so you really need to uplift that family, and then Geneva, and uh, all of you, uh, you know, I look around this room, and all of you are going through circumstances and situations where you're in the pressure cooker, where stress is at its most, and and, and we're learning to deal with that through this series. Stress is a natural part of life. If you face stress, say amen. Okay? If somebody around you didn't say amen, you need to put some stress on them, okay? Um, stress is a natural part of life. We all have stress. Nobody is immune from stress. And, and I, I've been throughout this series talking to my PhD cousin Patty about stress. And, and most of the counseling she, that she does is related to stress and anxiety in people's life. Everybody faces stress. No one is immune. And, and it, particularly kids, the stress level for kids are go, is going through the roof. And, and I think about how I grew up as a kid. When, when I was a kid, and this will sound silly until I start talking about Spencer, when I was a kid we did kindergarten, then we went to elementary school, and then we did junior high, then we did high school, then we went to college, right? But now kids don't do that. In, elementary, in kindergarten, Jody, you're shaking your head because this is true. They're expected to do elementary school things. And when they're in elementary school, they begin to do junior high things. And when Spencer's in junior high, Spencer's already taken high school classes in eighth grade. And then when he gets in high school, as the schedule is, he'll have two years of college done before he's done with his high school education. And we all participate in that because we see, number one, if he gets two years of college done while he's in high school, that is a nice car for me, praise the Lord. Um, no, it's money. I mean, it's the financial aspect, and finances create pressure too. And so, you know, the, the, the ideal of being able to do some of these things so that maybe the, the pressure of paying for a college education is less is important. But I also recognize that there is a great deal of stress 
associated with our kids' lives and with our lives. Now Jesus said this, and this has been our scripture for this series. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Uh, And that's the biggest duh in the world. Yeah, Jesus, thank you for telling me that. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And and so our our theme, our ideal for this series has been we are meant to overcome, not be overwhelmed. And I know a couple weeks ago I told you I was only going to make you say this one more time, but we're going to say it two more times. God kind of changed my mind on what I was preaching on this Sunday. And so will you say this with me one more time? I will overcome not be overwhelmed. Now, now, I want that to be a reality, not just something that we hope for. I don't want this just to be a dream that we have, but I, but I want this to be a reality that we are a people in the midst of stress and anxiety, we live and react to it in a different way. That, that when people look at individuals in this church and families in this church that we do not react to stress in the same way. I believe Jesus is calling us to be a different people, an alternate to what the world is living, a people that can live through stress and anxiety and have a level of peace even in the midst of chaos. You know, that was an amen time. Bob, thank you. I got one here. Let's, we're going to practice, okay? See, you guys are looking at me. We're saying amen together. You ready? Raise your hand if you're ready. Okay, eight of you. No, okay. Let's say amen. One, two, three. Amen. amen. Woo, that was good. You want to say it real loud and say you shouted at church? I want, you to say, I want you to say amen as loud as you can. And then when you can go home today, you can say I shouted at church, okay? One, two, three. Amen. Woo, that was good. Last week, I was out at an um, establishment. I'm not going to say what the establishment was in case I broke the door. I don't want to pay for it. But it was one of those power doors. You ever start working on one of those power doors, and it's trying to power, and you're trying to pull? And uh, Anybody ever have that experience where you know the door's powering open, and, and you get caught, and you're like, ah! Now, I think there was somebody at the other end of that door that was pushing a button to make it harder for me and getting a big kick. But, man, I struggled and struggled to get that door open. And when I went out the door, you know what I did? I hit that little silver button on the side, and the thing just flew open. It was so much easier. But but then later in the week, I went to Subway. And for some reason, I must have been going through a lot of automatic doors. And so I walked to the... Anybody ever done this? So I'm walking to the door, you know, and it's a crowded restaurant, and my nose got right here on the door, and I realized, wait a minute, this door's not going to open automatically. (laughs) You know, sometimes stress is like that. We try to... We try to struggle through. We try to force our way through. And it may be as simple as hitting the button. Sometimes we we try to just ignore stress. We try to ignore these pressure points. But it's like walking into a door that's not going to open. We can't ignore it. We can't muscle our way through. And we've been talking about principles that helps us move through the stress of life. And we've talked about several principles. And today we're going to talk about the memorial principle. Uh, Remembering God's past faithfulness in the midst of chaos. Now, chaos in our life, and and it seems like what I've seen people deal with most that creates the most stress is the unknown, right? Don't you hate the unknown? Our air conditioning in in our new house went out, praise the Lord, 
And, uh, and so I call and, you know, I'm trying to get some help and I'm complaining a little bit. And, and uh, you know, in the midst of, a, a, you know, complaining, they always ask for your email. And my email's Pastor Paul Mills at... Uh, <laughs> So, so I need to have a grumpy old man email that I can give him instead. You know, because you, you're like, oh, this really should be working. What's your email? Oh, it's Pastor Paul Mills at Gmail. <laughs> so I call, and, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about what's going on. And so they came out Thursday, and the guy said, oh, it's this, and it's a thermostat. And somehow they come out tomorrow. They couldn't come out tomorrow, but they came out Saturday. The guy goes, oh, it's not the thermostat. It's a wire. So I, he fixed the wires, and it worked all of 10 minutes, just long enough for him to pack up his tools and get in his truck and be gone. And then it stopped. And so I call them and, and they say, well, you know, you're fifth on the list. I can be there, but it may be as late as 2 a.m. This is yesterday. And so I said, sure, you know, I, I like air conditioning, so please come out as soon as you can. And so at 2 a.m., I'm still waiting for this AC guy. Don't, don't you love to wait, you know? And so finally I just call the place and say, you know, just forget it, you know? We'll, we'll do it some other time. I'd like to sleep too. And so, so I, I, and then the guy called me and said, oh, didn't somebody call you? I wasn't coming out. <laughs> you know, the unknown, the not knowing, the, the going to a doctor, the, the worst thing that can happen is to go to a doctor and not get a diagnosis, right? Uh, you, you like to know what's going on. You like to know what's happening have a plan. And in the situations of life, sometimes it's not the situation, it's the not knowing that creates the most havoc, the most chaos in our life. Now, I would call this situational blindness, and it's the inability to see beyond our present circumstances. And sometimes to see beyond our present circumstances, the answer is not to continue to look in the present or look in the future, but to look back, to look back at, at, at the faithfulness of God, to, to look back at similar situations. Now, all of these principles that we've been dealing with, they, they have application even if, you're, even if you're not a Christian today and you're just trying to, to learn about God and, and you've not sold out on that ideal and you're just seeking and trying to determine. All of these principles, I believe, have had some help even in, in that situation, even if you're thinking like that. Because sometimes when we're dealing with situations, if we truly consider what's going on and we think about the past, we realize that we've been through similar situations in the past. And, and maybe it's not quite as bad as we think. You realize everything's worse at 2 a.m., right? <laughs> and sometimes just the process of thinking about what you've been through what you've done in the past can help you through the chaos of life. But there's big issues. There, there's, there's situations that are bigger than us. You know, I, I think of Nancy and I think of Mrs. J. That situation is bigger than me as a pastor. When I go and see folks like that and I pray with them, I have this deep understanding within my soul that all I can offer is God, right? You know, I, I go see Dave Groves, and, and, and Dave's in hospice care, and he's got a few weeks, maybe a few months before God's going to take him home, and I realize that the only answer I have for him is not me, it's not you, it's not within himself, but God is the only answer that I have. And so there's situations that are bigger than us, and God is essential. And maybe you're going through one of those situations right now, and truthfully, it's bigger than you. 
Our circumstances are never bigger than God. Whatever you're going through, whatever that big, hairy issue that you're facing, as big as it may seem. Can I say big, hairy issue in the church? Is that okay? Whatever it is, it is never bigger than God. Yes, sometimes God is quiet. Sometimes in the midst of circumstances, it doesn't seem that God is speaking. Now, now I want you to understand, when, when it may not seem that God is speaking, but God is always speaking because you have His Word, right? You, you understand, when God's quiet, it's because you're not opening this book, because God always speaks through His Word. God always speaks through other people. So, so there may be times in your life where there's not this deep, emotional inner feeling of the presence of God. But even in the midst of times like that, you can find God in the Word and you can find God in the community of faith. And that's why we need others to step beside us and walk beside us. But there's definitely times in my life where it seems like God has not been speaking as loud as other times. Sometimes God speaks with a megaphone, and oftentimes it's when I've really messed up that God speaks with a megaphone. But sometimes when there's chaos all around me, God seems very quiet. The memorial principle remembers God's faithfulness in the past to raise awareness of God's faithfulness in our present. In other words, we can look at the God who was faithful in the past, and we can say that same God... He's the same forever, right? From the beginning to the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. That same God is present in the midst of this chaos. Now, Psalm 77, I like that this is a psalm by the, a stressed out poet. And it seems like the psalms, a lot of them are stressed out, that they're going through all these difficulties, and the psalmist is writing in the midst of chaos. And, and he writes in the beginning of this, in verses 1 through 10, I cry out, but God doesn't hear. Anybody ever felt like that? That you're, you're just calling out to the ceiling and God's not hearing. I can't be comforted. I can't sleep. And then he asks, has God forgotten me? Is God no longer gracious? If you're human today, you've been in that very situation. You've been in a time in your life where it just seems like God doesn't hear, that God doesn't care, that God doesn't move, that God has forgotten you, and it affects your sleep, it affects your health, and it affects every aspect of your life. And the psalmist doesn't find his answer in the present, but by remembering the past. And he goes even beyond his first-hand experience, but he goes back to this ancient story, this story of Exodus and crossing the Red Sea. In verse 11 he says, But then I recall all you've done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the Red Sea... When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The, the sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. 
Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, can can you grab hold of that little portion of Scripture? That, That God sees roads and pathways where all we see are seas. That that God in the midst of all this, that they saw a sea blocking their way, but God saw a road. Maybe what you're going through, all you see is the sea, but can I give you the assurance of God that in the midst of that, God sees a road? You led your people along the road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. See, God's past faithfulness gave the psalmist assurance of God's present faithfulness. Now, throughout the Bible, you see this theme repeated. Remember God the Creator. Remember God's power. Remember the goodness of God. Remember the love of God. Remember the faithfulness of God. Even as you consider the stories that have compiled in the Old Testament, what you find in the Old Testament historically are oral stories that are compiled in the time of exile. In other words, when the people of Israel are in Babylon, when they're in Persia, when they are in exile, they begin to take these oral stories that have been passed along by generation to generation, and they begin to compile these in written form. Why? Because it's in the midst of the chaos of of exile, in the midst of not knowing in exile, that they need to hold firmer to God's promises contained in his stories. Joshua 4, there's this great story. They cross the Jordan River and, and Joshua has them put these big stones in place, these memorial stones, these visible reminders of God's faithfulness. I kind of imagine that the Psalm 77 poet may be writing among these stones. That, that as he's trying to remember the faithfulness of God, he's got these visible reminders of God. Let me ask you, what are your memorial stones? Now, I think these are practical things. I think people can be memorial stones. We've got a short video. Let's, let's play this. Rick Jacob talking about his dad. and I'd like you to see this. back to and and all of those that we gave memorial roles to this morning could speak to to their individual but we we didn't have time for everybody to do you know three or four minutes to talk about and so you look back at these people and and they're examples of people who who demonstrated faithfulness and love and it helps you as you move through chaotic circumstances maybe it's a place I I think of Elijah Mount Horeb that in the midst of all the chaos of Jezebel chasing where's Uh, Elijah go, but he goes to Mount Horeb, a place where God had spoken in the past. It may be in your stories of of how God has healed in the past. And I I see Mary sitting there, and and God has healed in your family in the past. And it's a reminder that God is still present even in the midst of chaotic circumstances. Now, now this is a faith statement that we make. We we don't always see, and, and sometimes we don't see this side of heaven, that that, that the circumstances that we're going through, it may never make sense until we stand before God. Uh, I think of the life of Moses. Josh talked about him last week. And in the life of Joseph, Moses, you have all these different parts of his story. You have Moses, the prince of Egypt, and you have Moses, 
the shepherd. And, and really you think shepherd and prince of Egypt. The, these two parts of the story, there's no way they can work together for something good. Yet God takes both of these parts of the story and he molds them together. And we find in Moses, this prince and the shepherd working together. And God's hand working through all those circumstances. Maybe right now in your life, you're going through a season where it really doesn't make a lot of sense. That, 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 that you're trying to piece it together. And, and, and just in this part of, of your life, it, you're trying to figure out how this all fits together. Several years ago, I know you guys are all Nazarenes, so you've never been in a movie theater, but I, I've actually been in a movie theater in the past. And so we went to a, my cousin, or my nephew Clinton's wedding, and we, we came in late, and the only rows that were available were the front rows. You know, anybody have to sit on the front row of the movie? And it was one of those widescreen movies, and so we're all spanned out across this front row, and so we're having to pass down from, from seat to seat what's going on on the other side. Hey, what's going on over there? Because, you know, all we see is this. And, and you know, it's one of those movies where there's a lot of action, and, you know, you're just seeing this little bit. You know, it's kind of like a painting. You ever look real close at a painting? Go ahead and play that video, Meryl. You know, when you see just a little piece, it doesn't make complete sense that, that, that as you're close, it's, 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 you don't see the whole picture. But as you move out, you, you begin to see that, that all of these things have meaning and significance to us. You think of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is, in essence, God lifting the people of God from the chaos of history. And as you look back through the, the lens of the book of Revelation, what you see is a God who has a purpose and a reason and a significance in every aspect of life. You look at all the little stories in Revelation, it's chaotic and it's difficult and it makes very little sense. But we serve a God that can make sense out of every circumstance of our life. So I want you to do something with me real quick. And you're bulletin, there's a, a space for you to write down the most difficult thing you're going through, and there's space above and below. Take just a, you know, 30 seconds, and I want you, maybe you can just do it by a code word, write, write the most difficult thing you're going through. And don't write this sermon, okay? That's, this will soon pass. You done that? We'll give you some scripture. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, the good things, the bad things, the, the things where I've messed up. Do you, do you believe that? Even when I've messed up, God can take those things. The things that I'm embarrassed about, the things that I'm proud about. God works through in all things. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So I want you to take above where you've wrote in your most difficult circumstance, and I want you to write, God can use this circumstance for my good. You know, we serve an amazing God that can use any circumstance for our good and his glory. This isn't an invitation just to sin and just to do anything we want to do, but it's a proper understanding of the God of all grace who takes our life and uses it 
even when sometimes it seems to be chaotic. You know, God gives us free will. We, we believe this. This is, this is fundamental to us, that we believe God gives us the ability to choose to reject. That God in his grace reaches down to us and, and he gives us the freedom to say yes God or no God. That in every circuit, you have the, the freedom today to say no to God or yes to God. And not on top of that, we're flawed. We don't always see things correctly. Our motivations aren't always right. We don't always have perfect understanding. And sometimes, sometimes in my life, I have made sinful choices. Have you ever sinned? Raise your hand. Okay. If you didn't raise your hand, you're, you're, as John says, you're a liar. Right? John says, all have sinned. And if anybody says they haven't sinned, they're a liar and they say God's word's not true. All of us have sinned. You know, there's been times in my life where I've made sinful choices. There's been times in my life where I've just made wrong choices. Not because I'm a sinner and not because I'm trying to reject God. Because sometimes I'm stupid and everybody said, thank you. Sometimes I've just made wrong turns. Sometimes somebody that I know or love has made a mistake or sinned against me and it's created chaos in my life. But we serve a God that takes every decision you've ever made and every decision anyone else has ever made and he takes this chaos and he weaves it into something beautiful. What was your favorite course in kindergarten? Anybody? Recess. That was first service. Mine was finger painting, right? Who liked to finger paint? I really hated going to first grade because, you know, once I got to first grade, there was no more finger painting to do, you know? You had to, like, pictures had to make sense. And I can remember when I finger painted, I didn't try to make sense of anything. Did anybody? You know, it was like, ha, 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 I wish they gave college credit for finger painting, I tell you. You know, it'd just be a mess. Truthfully, compared to God, at our best, oftentimes, we're nothing more than finger painters, right? God uses our finger painting to create a masterpiece. You know, I don't know what you're all going through. I don't, I don't know where you're at, but can I tell you, wherever you're at, God has your good in mind and he can create something with your life that's better than we can create ourselves. Stand with me if you will. I'm sorry I'm late. Just because I'm so late, I'm canceling service tonight. Uh, <laughs> Lord, bless us, be with us, keep us. May we keep our eyes firmly fixed on you. We pray, Lord, that as we follow you to the best of our ability, that we won't, we won't give sin a lead in our life. We won't give it headway, Lord. But, Lord, we'll strive to be holy, righteous people, doing the best that we can, understanding that it's by your grace that at the end of our lives we stand before your throne and you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Bless these people. Keep them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless. Amen.